What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Amen. Hey, go ahead and raise your hand if you need a Bible, and our ushers will uh, bring a Bible around to you. Just go ahead and keep them up, and uh, we'll get them out to you. If you do have your Bibles, go ahead and turn um, to... Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, actually, you know what, go to Revelation chapter 6, go to Revelation 6, I'm going to give you some instructions here, hopefully everybody has a pen as well so they can mark up their Bible, um, make notes, add some things into the word so that you know where to go and how it relates and how it connects. We're going to tie in Zechariah 12 with Revelation 7 today. It's going to be amazing. Hopefully it'll be amazing. Sebastian, if you could throw up that white page just so we can get an overview of where we are through the book of Revelation. Um, So this is a um, just kind of a, a picture here of the, the, the seven churches. We finished that, chapter 2 and chapter 3. And then you have the rapture and the tribulation. The rapture and the tribulation. And so here at, at Bowdown Church, uh, we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. Now, I've said to you before that if you are pre-wrath tribulation, mid-tribulation, whatever it is, if you're prepping right now and I'm out of food because I'm not prepping, I'm believing I'm going to be rapture, you have to share with me because you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? And we belong to one another. So let it be according to your faith. So if you want to stay in the times of wrath, feel free. I'm just kidding. You're not going to have an option. Who knows when it is, really? We can argue back and forth, but we don't want to be dogmatic about that. Correct? Amen? Capiche? We don't fight over this. It's a secondary issue. It's a secondary doctrine. Revelation chapter 6. I want you to see the parallels. Now go to the parallel, Sebastian. The first seal is listed in Matthew chapter 24, 5. Uh, uh, four and five, where Jesus said, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. This is what's amazing about the Bible. This is amazing about Jesus. Jesus was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the truth. Um, And so Jesus was speaking not only to the end times, but also to chapter six. And there's an amazing parallel when the seals are broken in chapter 6 that he already declared that in Matthew chapter 24. And so that's why I have you in Matthew chapter 6 because in that first seal you see that rider on the white horse. Now, the rider on the white horse is not the rider in Revelation 19, 11 on down. That's Jesus when he shows up. But the rider on the white horse in Revelation 6 is the Antichrist. It's the Antichrist. And again... That aligns with the first seal in Matthew chapter 24. Then you see the parallel in the second seal of Matthew 6. It aligns with Matthew 24, 6 and 7, where peace is taken out of the earth in Revelation chapter 6, and there's going to be war. 
what's holding back war from breaking out right now is the presence of the Holy Spirit that is keeping at bay the evil encroaching upon this world. That's what's going on. Listen, the big debate right now, Roe v. Wade, abortion. Listen, when the Holy Spirit's gone, there's going to be no debate. It'll be murder your baby. That's where we're going to be because the Holy Spirit will be gone. The spirit of truth will not be at work. We're coming into those days. Understand what is keeping back the tide of evil is the church, the church, the bride of Christ pushing back darkness. So the second seal you see in Matthew 24, 6 and 7, the third and fourth seal, there's going to be famine that breaks out in the earth. And so in Matthew, or excuse me, uh, Revelation 6, you see the third and fourth seal where Jesus talked about there's going to be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And then you have the fifth seal, which is in Matthew 24, verse 9, which is also the fifth seal of Revelation chapter 6, is that there's going to be people martyred for following Jesus. They're going to be killed because they follow Jesus. In the tribulation period, the saints are going to be hunted down like animals and persecuted, persecuted and killed. And in Revelation 6, 5, that's where they're crying out, when will you avenge? When will you avenge our blood? And then you see the sixth seal parallel where the heavens are shaken. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. And so you see the exact same thing happening in Revelation chapter 6, 12 through 17. Interesting, very, very interesting parallel that hopefully will, will, will encourage you because you see Jesus, when he walked this earth, he knew what was going to happen and we get a glimpse into Revelation, which is in the future, and it's going to go down just like the Bible says it's going to go down. Now, let's go ahead to Revelation 7, 1. I shared that with you because last week we tried to pull up the slide. We couldn't get it, so that was the slide from last week. There you go. Um, if you want to know more about chapter 6, it's online. You can listen, or you can just read it yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Revelation 7, 1. And after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth or the sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and the sea. Now, Three times here in the first three verses, you see the word angels, angels. Go ahead and highlight that if you want. Angels in verse one, angels twice in verse two. I'm going to talk to angel, talk about angels here for a minute. Um, there's a number of reasons why I want to talk about angels, because I believe it's really, really important for the church to beware uh, to, to, to have a, a, an understanding about the angelic realm. So I want you to turn over to Revelation 22. 22, please. Revelation 22. 
We're going to be flipping to a lot of places. We're always going to come back to Revelation chapter 7 because that's where our main text is today as we go through God's word. Revelation 22 verse 8. It says, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel. You see that angel right there who showed them to me. But he said, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant, and you and your brothers are the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. You might want to highlight that, worship God. We're coming into an age where there's going to be a lot of deception, where the spirit of the Antichrist is at work, and I believe there's going to be a lot of angelic deception. And in the Bible... Angels never receive worship. Let me say that again. In the Bible, angels never receive worship. We're never told to worship angels. And let me just say this, church, when you pray to an angel, you're worshiping an angel. Christ alone is our mediator. Be very, very careful Pay attention to what you're doing and why you're doing it, because there's a lot of deception that's out there in this world. Again, angels never receive worship. I want you to turn to Galatians 1.8, please. Galatians 1.8, angels, they promote false doctrine. Nowhere are we supposed to get our doctrine from angels. I get concerned sometimes when I hear an angel showed up in my room and they told me this. An angel showed up in my room and, and I've got to do this. And an angel showed up and an angel showed up. Hey, that can happen because it happened in the Bible. But here's what shouldn't happen, that you get doctrine from angels. Let me say that again. Do not get your doctrine from angels. Galatians 1.8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to him, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Do you know there's doctrine that's going forth right now that you're saved because of your race? We've got to be very careful about that. The gospel is this. We sinned against a holy God. We deserve punishment for our sin. And if God is just and he's good, he has to bring justice. Only an evil judge would let someone go free that hurt your mom. Well, that guy's a good person. I'm going to let him go. No, no, no. Listen, that was my mom. I want justice. So we understand that in our heart. And so to let somebody go free would be unjust. And so because God has to punish sin, for the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. And for all 
we, all of us, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So because I've sinned, because you've sinned, God looked down and he loved the world that he gave his only son. I'm going to go ahead and put my son on the cross so that he couldn't die for their sins. He's going to take the wrath that they deserve. And Jesus, it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and the shame and he despised it. Why? And because of the joy, me and you, we were the joy that he despised the cross and the shame and he embraced it because he wanted us. And so my sins put Jesus on the cross. If I don't put my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross to forgive my sin, I'm stuck in my sin and I have no savior. And therefore. I'm deserving of wrath for everything that I've done wrong. So this gospel, that Christ came, he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to take away our sins. He was buried for three days, and then he rose again, and he is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus says this in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is very close-minded. <laughs> You're so close-minded. No, Jesus is close-minded. I follow him because if he's not the way, He's a liar. If he's not the only way, if there's other roads that lead to heaven, then Jesus is a liar. So we have to be very careful about those preaching another gospel. Understand this, the Mormon church. I don't know if you know the history, but Jesus showed up in America. in the 1800s to Joseph Smith and gave him these ancient scrolls that have already been proven false. But anyway, and he started the Mormon religion, the Church of Latter-day Saints. Well, Chris, why are you being so mean? Well, here's why. Listen, that is a false religion that is plunging thousands into hell because they've rejected Jesus as God. Mormons teach Jesus and Satan are brothers. Mormons teach you're going to get your own planet with some aliens. Anyway, I don't even want to get into what they believe. But there is a lot of deception that is out there. And you better be very, very careful, very careful and pay attention. This is why Jesus said, beware, beware, beware of false prophets. They come to you, what? In sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You can tell what kind of people they are by the fruit on their tree. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. You never want to get your doctrine from angels. I want you to turn to Matthew 18, 10, please. Another reason why you don't want to get your doctrine from angels is because Satan counterfeits as an angel of light, Scripture says. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 13 through 15, it says that angel, that, that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So he's a shapeshifter, okay? 
that can transform himself into angels, an angel of light. It's what Satan does. So we have to be aware of that. Satan is a fallen angel. And we're going to get into this uh, a little bit more in Revelation chapter 12, uh, where you're going to see Satan kicked out of heaven, and, and he took one-thirds of the uh, heavenly hosts with him. His tail took one-third. We'll talk more about that. But, but again, this is why we're talking about angels, because there is a lot of deception coming upon the earth. So Matthew 18.10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. I don't know about you, but that's an encouraging statement. Jesus is saying to each one of his sons and daughters that these angels always, always see the face of my father who is in heaven. So you have an angel assigned to you that sees the face of the father, an angel that's watching over you. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Jesus affirms angels. This is the thing. Pe people say, oh man, you believe in angels with little wings? What are you? No, you know? well, listen, Jesus, <laughs> what's he talking about? He's talking about what? Angels. To not believe in angels is to not believe in Jesus. Jesus affirmed angels. Not that we put our faith in angels. No, 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 no. But Jesus talked 29 times within the four Gospels about angels. I want you to turn to Psalm 103, please, so we can look at what angels do. Why are we spending so much time? I'm going to tell you. Hold on. Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Angels are ministers to God and to us. They minister to God and they minister to us. They carry out his will. They carry out his plan, but they also serve us. They obey him always. They do his will. Psalm 103.20. It says, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his work. Obeying the voice of his word. So they do his word. They obey the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, his ministers. Who do his will. So they minister as well. If you want to jot down here, uh, Matthew 4.11, that's when Jesus was coming out of the wilderness and he was tempted. And after the devil left him, angels came and they ministered to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I, I, I want to be ministered by some angels today. And God the Father says, hey, yeah, that was after 40 days of fasting, okay? Then you get the, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think it's wrong for you to say, Father, I'm overwhelmed. Can you send some ministering angels to me? I, I, I need it, God. Now, keep in mind, guys, that's like a icing on the cake, if you will, okay? Or maybe a candle, an angel. The Holy Spirit is in you. God with us, Emmanuel. Christ is in you, right? That's the, that's the main thing. But, but just be encouraged. Here's a little, little icing on your cake. Amen? Psalm 91. Go ahead and turn there. Since we're in Psalms, Psalm 91. Satan used this to twist Scripture. And listen to what, 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 what is said in the Psalms because... 
Sometimes we use this in a negative light when we're going through Matthew chapter 4, talking about the temptation, but, but this is actually an encouraging verse. We shouldn't test the Lord your God, right? Don't quote this verse and not wear a seatbelt. You want to test the Lord your God, right? So, so listen, two stories. Rich Mullins, amazing worship leader, he wrecked his car. He, he was not wearing a seatbelt, flew out, died. Keith Green, amazing worship leader. I'm old school. Some of you might not know what these guys are, but they are pat, pat. I mean, I mean, this is like real worship, guys, okay? Real worship. Keith Green was the real deal. He loaded a plane with too many people when the plane only could hold a certain number of people and the plane crashed. We don't want to test God. We don't want to test God. Psalm 91, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. How encouraging is that? Angels are sent to help you along the way. And some of you, you've been wearing your angels out because you can't drive, okay? You know who you are. I'm just kidding. All right, let's go ahead and turn to, to Psalm 8-4. Psalm 8-4. Quit making your angels work so hard. Psalm 8, 4. I really want you to get this. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. So here's the thing. God declares in his word, angels are here and mankind is here. And I think we miss that sometimes. Angels do not die. They've been around for thousands of years. They see things that we can't see. They are stronger than us. They are more powerful than us. They are wiser than us. There is not a debate within them that when God gives a word, they go do it. The good ones. The bad ones, they didn't, and they got kicked out for that. And so we can forget that sometimes. Why is that important? Why is that important? It's because this is what brings glory to God. When you and me, who are created lower than angels, obey and follow Jesus where he leads us, we get to outsmart satanic and demonic beings we are like little sheep, but we are beating down wolves. And God is able, when we follow the Holy Spirit, to move us in such a way where we overtake and make demonic beings look bad. Dumb little sheep made lower than the angels actually winning against the demonic realm. And that gives God glory. I don't know about you, but do you want to give God glory with your life? Why are we talking about angels? Because the spiritual realm is more real than the physical realm. There is stuff going on that we cannot see. In fact, on your own time, go ahead and look at Daniel chapter 10. You're going to see the prince of Greece and the prince of Persia fighting against Michael. And there was a battle because they had to get a message to, 
to, to, to Daniel who was fasting for three weeks. Also, 2 Kings chapter 6. The prophet is sitting there and he's surrounded by enemies. The servant comes out and the servant is scared. He's like, oh no, we're surrounded by enemies. And the prophet says, Lord, open his eyes. And all of a sudden, God opened his eyes and here's all of these heavenly chariots and angels of fire surrounding them. And they realize, wow, there are more with us than with them. Guys, we're clicked up, 40 deep, all saved, all serious. Some of y'all know what I'm saying. Some of you are tracking. We got an army that is with us, guys. It might not look like it. But we have more with us than with them. So as we look in the book of Revelation and you're seeing all this angelic activity, that's just not happening then. It's happening right now. Right now. How many of you have been in a place where you're praying for two weeks and nothing happens? But we see in Daniel chapter 10, he prayed for three weeks and the battle was raging and the answer came through. How many of us are missing our answer because we're not pressing in? There's a battle. There's a battle. There's a battle. The battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers and authorities and high places. And we need to believe that. We need to understand that. And so why spend so much time on this? Point number one. There's angels all around us, guys. There's more with us than with them. They're serving us. They're fighting for us. They're by our side. That should be encouraging to us. Second, demons are fallen angels. Demons are falling angels. There is a great delusion that's coming on this earth. And we need to not get our doctrine from angels, which will masquerade. They're really probably demons trying to give. You've got to run everything through the word, the word, the word, the word. You don't worship angels. You don't pray to angels. The word, the word, the word. And also, we want to be people that bring glory to God. As lesser beings usurping and gaining victory over greater beings as we're led by the spirit of God. We want to give God glory. All right. Revelation 7, verse 3. Wow. I got to speed up, baby. Revelation 7, verse 3. It says, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until, and I want you to highlight until. Until means the earth and the trees are going to be jacked up. They're going to be hurt. They're going to be harmed. Until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So I want you to highlight sealed the servants of our God. So we have do not harm the earth or the sea. And I'd like, Sebastian, if you can go ahead and put the picture up. So this is a, uh, a picture that, you know, you, you can see around. And you see this little girl um, holding Mother Earth. Uh, understand that is the spirit of this age, right? Uh, the climate change, save the planet, all of that stuff. Look, you just got to be very, very careful of what you're aligning with 
Again, beware, beware. Because this passage, even though it's the Bible, it's completely taken out of context, isn't it? What's missing? Until. So right here, it could be misleading. Now, Chris, why are you bringing this up? This doesn't even make sense. I know, thanks. So much of our church and our teaching has been watered down. So watered down that it's actually hard for some people to listen to an hour's teaching or an hour, five minutes teaching. Till we get through a whole chapter. Right. Because we just trying to scroll. And to sit in God's word. And so much of the teachings are what's called topical teaching. Topical teaching, where scripture is taken out of context. Now, am I against topical teaching? No, I just don't prefer it. Let me make my point. How many of you have heard, resist the devil and he'll flee from you? Right? We've heard that, right? Yeah, yeah, hear that. Resist the devil, he'll flee. Do you know that's not biblical? Why is that not biblical, Chris? Because James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. If you don't submit to God, you can resist all you want. He doesn't have to flee. And so we, we throw out little cliches. We put little cliches in our songs. That's why I like Keith Green, by the way. Old school Afro, you got to love him. Anyway, so, so, so. Here's another one, right? All things work together for good, brother. All things work together for good. Hallelujah. No, that's not true either. The verse says, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purposes. If you don't want the purposes of God, your life's not going to work together for good. If you don't love God, it's not going to work together for good. And when we take Bible verses and we chop them up, we're leading people astray. This it looks so sweet and innocent, cute and cuddly. Here's another one, Jeremiah 29. I can keep going. Jeremiah 2011, he got plans, rot, harm. I got that on my fridge. What's he going to say about that? Here's what I'm going to say. Context, context, context. When that was written, it was written to people in slavery who are not going to get out of slavery until 70 years later. Some of those people got that promise in Jeremiah 29, 11. They died in slavery. Context matters. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, you can't. You can't dunk. <laughs> the context of that, Paul is in prison. He's hungry. He's cold. He's alone. And he says, man, I've learned to be with plenty and. And I've learned to be in want, but I've learned the secretness, the secret of, of contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. He says that also in, in First Timothy, chapter six. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
I can make it through having nothing, being poor and empty here in jail. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things through Christ who strengthens me isn't God bless me, bless me, bless me so I can go do this. And this is why there's a danger of just taking scriptures and throwing them all out. This is why at Bow Down we go through books here. Books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Why is that important? It's important for me because I'm a sinful human being. And I could potentially take scripture, twist it for my own benefit to fleece the flock of God. So when we go through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, you're going through it too. That's why we hand you a Bible so you can fact check me. You can follow along to know, okay, yeah, that's what it says. That's what it says. And I'll just submit this to you. Listen, I personally wouldn't go to a church that doesn't teach books of the Bible. Well, Chris, you just, you just blasted a whole bunch of churches. I don't say that in pride. I say this in humility, in humility, because I know the tendency for people to take different verses and to create a nice little message when that's really not what the message is. And so please, please be at a place where people are going through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. In fact, we'll get to that in Revelation chapter 10. It's exciting. Eat this book. It's bitter and it's sweet. It's bitter. It'll make you sick, but it is also sweet. See, sometimes we just want sweet, 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 sweet. Verse 4, please. Verse 4. Revelation 10, you can, you can read the bitter and sweet at your own side. Eat that scroll. Eat that scroll. If you don't know what I'm talking about, yeah, Revelation 10. All right, Revelation 7, 4. Then I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. I want you to highlight the sons of Israel. I want you to highlight sealed. Now, this is the answer, by the way, to Revelation 6, 17. Who can stand in the time of the wrath of the Lamb? Who can stand? Well, the question is, or the answer is, here, these people will stand. Why will they stand? Because they're going to be sealed with the Spirit of God. God is going to seal them on their foreheads. And we're going to talk more about the 144,000 when we get to Revelation 14 because it elaborates on them. We'll spend a little time here. Let me just say this as well. The Jehovah's Witness which is a false religion. By the way, Mormon and Jehovah's Witness, they both say Jesus is not God. The difference between Christianity, every other religion in the world, Jesus is God. Islam, Jesus is not God. In fact, it says God has no son. So how can those two religions coexist? When Islam says God has no son, Christianity says God so loved the world he gave his only begotten what? Son. So you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't coexist. Hey, I will love 
Muslims die for Muslims, pray for Muslims, but understand we believe in a different God. It's not the same God. Allah and Jehovah are not the same. Allah is called the deceiver. I don't have time to get into that, but anyway, let's keep it moving. The Jehovah's Witness used to say they were the 144,000 until the 1930s came, and they surpassed the 144,000. They had to change up their doctrine, okay? Fact, fact. The Mormons, the Seventh-day Adventists, all of those did the same as well. We're the 144,000. We're the 144,000. And listen, here's what I want to say. What does the Bible say? They're the sons of Israel. Actually, if you really want to trip them out, this is why you got to know your Bible. In, in uh, Revelation 14, it says this, that the 144,000 are virgins. So next time somebody comes knocking on your door and says they're part of 144,000, oh, you're a virgin? How are you a virgin if you're married? It don't make sense to me, bro. So anyway, uh, but we'll get into that, chapter 14. Help me, God. Time is running out. I love God's word. It makes things simple. When Jesus said he created them male and female, oh, the simplicity of God's word. There's no confusion. And there's a spirit of confusion in this age. And this is why we eat books here. We eat books here. I want you to turn to Romans 11, please. Romans 11. And this is a warning. It's a shot across the bow. Because there's also a spirit of the age that is pro-Palestinian. Now, when I say pro-Palestinian, <clears throat> understand Jesus is pro-Palestinian. He died for the Palestinians. But usually the people on the pro-Palestinian side, who do they hate? And they want them off the land. So be very careful with that. We will not do that here about Elm. Why? Because we believe in God's word. They're sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. That's what it says in Revelation 7.4. And so I have you in Romans 11. This is what's going on right now. Lest you be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. So you might want to highlight that. Right now, a partial hardening has come upon Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Someday... A Gentile, a non-Jewish person, will get saved, and I believe the rapture will happen at that time because I'm pre-trib. So if you're here and you're a Gentile and you're not saved, you could be holding the whole thing up. Thank you for laughing. It's a joke. But seriously, though, if you're not a Jew and you're not saved, you may be holding this whole thing up, baby. Anyway, so, 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 so when the last Gentile comes in, all of a sudden, what's it say in verse 6? I want, to, want you to read it out loud. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. I want you to say that, please. In this way, all Israel will be saved. This is why we need to be very, very careful about how we view our Jewish brothers and sisters. I don't know who all they are. I don't need to know who all they are. But guess what? God knows, and he's going to mark 144,000 of them. 
the deliverer will come and he will banish ungodliness from Jacob. There's a lot of ungodliness in Israel right now, just like there's ungodliness in America right now. But someday God's going to come and banish banish that. This will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And we're going to get to that. Take away their sins. I want you to write Zechariah 12 there. Zechariah 12. And as regards to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards to election, they are beloved for the sake of our forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So it says 12,000 from every tribe of Israel. We've got to be very, very careful of who we're aligning with in these last days, the days of deception. I want you to go back to Revelation 7, 5. And then I'm going to want you to go to Zechariah 12, okay? So Revelation 7, 5, it says 12,000 from a tribe of Judah were sealed. Now, the question that I have for you is why is Judah first? Why are they the first ones listed here? And to answer that, I want you to turn to Zechariah 12, please. This is an amazing prophecy, if you've never read it before. This was written 500 years before Christ was born. In fact, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek. It's called the Septuagint. This is a historical fact that was completed 400 years before Jesus was born. So it wasn't like people say they went back and changed the Bible. No, you couldn't change the Bible because it was already written and translated in Greek. And plus they found the New Testament, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls as well. And so it's, it's an archaeological fact that this was written 500 years before Christ was even born. Okay, Zechariah 12. This is going to talk about the last days, okay? This is not talking about that time, uh, 500 years before, when, 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 before Christ came. It's not talking about when Jesus came the first time. It's talking about chapter 7, actually, okay? Chapter 7. Here we go. The oracle of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. Thus declares the Lord who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. Behold, I'm about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all surrounding peoples. And the siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah on that day. And you want to highlight that because it's speaking of a day. It's speaking of a day in the future. I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all peoples. And all who lift it will surely hurt themselves. This is why when the plan comes from our nation to divide up Jerusalem, I don't want any part of that. Is Jerusalem a heavy stone right now for the world? Yes, it is. But man, again, Joel chapter 3, we don't have time to go there, is where it says, don't divide my land. In the last days, Jerusalem's going to be a heavy stone for all the people. This is an amazing prophecy. Why? You're talking about a little, little area, smaller than Palm Beach County, that the Bible's saying 2,500 years ago, that in the last days, the whole world is going to be looking at this desert area. It's just amazing. And here it is. It's a true thing. You remember how people flipped out when Trump made uh, uh, Jeru Jerusalem, right? 
I mean, that was actually a very good thing. Anyway, we don't want to go MAGA right now. Listen. This will be a heavy stone for all peoples. All who lift it will surely hurt themselves. And all the nations of the earth will gather against it. Listen, every nation of the earth is going to gather against Israel. I will not align. If the United States of America starts going against Israel, I will not align with that. I will not align with that. That is not God's spirit. Understand, we saw a precursor of that with Hitler. With Hitler. And it's going to happen again. This is what the Bible's saying. So when you start aligning yourself with people who hate Jews, who hate Israelites, you're in very dangerous territory. And you're being warned today, do not do that. On that day, declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness. But for the sake of the house of Judah, I will keep my eyes open. I will strike every horse of the people with blindness. Then the clans of Judah will say to themselves, the inhabitants of Jerusalem have strength through the Lord of hosts, their God. On that day, I will make the clans of Judah like a blazing pot in the midst of the wood, like a flaming torch among sheaves. And they shall devour to the right and to the left and all the surrounding peoples, while Jerusalem shall again be inhabited in its place in Jerusalem. Verse 7, and the Lord will give salvation to the tents of Judah first. I want you to highlight that, and I want you to put Revelation 7, 5. Why is Judah first? Well, because God declared Judah's going to be first. He's going to seal them with the Holy Spirit, and they are going to be super evangelists and super warriors that God has anointed. And the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not surpass that of Judah on that day, the Lord protect the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the feeblest among them on that day shall be like David. And the house of David shall be like God and the angel of the Lord going before them. And on that day, I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Let me say this again. The minute America goes against Israel is the minute I no longer pledge allegiance. If I come up missing next week, <laughs> call your state representative. Verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David a spirit of grace and pleas of mercy so they will look on me, on him whom they have pierced. You might want to highlight that. That is an amazing prophecy. So they look on me? Is that Father God? No. Was Father God ever pierced? Who was pierced? Jesus. He was pierced for our iniquities. He was pierced in his hands and his feet on the cross. This is 500 years before it happened. And Israel has continued to reject their Messiah. They've continued to reject him. They are the ones that, 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 that killed him, right? The Romans killed him, but, but the Jews said, crucify, crucify. And all of a sudden, God's going to open up their eyes, and they're going to weep. They're going to mourn because they've rejected the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This, by the way, if Jesus was pierced, this means Jesus is God. Zechariah chapter 12. Does that make sense? Pretty cool, huh? 
At least I think it is. Our God's got everything in control. Let's go back to Revelation 7. So we see verses 5 through 9. God seals all of these people. They're sealed. The sons of Israel, they are sealed. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, please. Ephesians chapter 1. That Greek word for sealed is the same Greek word for sealed listed in Ephesians 1, 13. Ephesians 1, 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed. Highlight that. You're sealed. Uh, this word in, in the Greek, when a king would send a letter or a scroll off, they would have a ring that had, would have a specific emblem on that ring. And they would melt wax because they didn't have that stuff you lick then, okay? They had wax, and they would, they would pour melted wax on there. The king would put his ring on the seal. He would press it down. And if anybody broke that seal, they would die. Christian, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Nobody better touch your seal. You are sealed of God. In fact, in John 6, 27, it says this, For on him God the Father has set his seal. He sealed you with his seal, the sealing of the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to turn to Ephesians 4, 30. Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And we have God living inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And we are sealed. We're sealed with a seal. And now here's some practical application for you, church. Listen. And do not grieve. I want you to highlight that. Do you think that this is some make-believe fairy tale? You have the real Holy Spirit that is holy inside of you that has sealed you. You're sealed. And, and, it, and it says don't grieve him. Don't make him cry. Look, look, those of you that might be struggling with things that you're looking at, understand you're not the only one looking at them. But the Holy Spirit that's inside of you, you're forcing the Holy Spirit to look at that with you. What you are doing that might be ungodly and unholy, you are bringing the Holy Spirit into that. And here scripture says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you realize you can make the Holy Spirit cry? By the way that you live your life. The Holy Spirit is holy. In fact, Scripture says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What am I bringing into the temple? 
what am I bringing into the holy temple of God? And God, give us a revelation so that we can see that we are sealed, that we are set apart, that we are holy unto you. And this should affect our lives so that we walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. But we also don't cause the Holy Spirit that's inside of us to mourn and weep and cry. These 144,000, they were sealed for protection from the wrath of the Lamb. And you and I, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit because there's another spirit in this age. In fact, in Ephesians 2, it says the sons of disobedience who follow the spirit of this world. So we've been sealed for protection. We've also been sealed for purity. When we get to Revelation 14, you'll see the purity that these 144,000 walk in. Guess what, church? We're supposed to be walking in purity. We're sealed for purity. We're also sealed with power. These guys are going to be sealed with power. We're sealed for purpose. You're about to read here, if I can get to the next point, um, the fact that these people have a purpose and people are going to come into heaven because of the purpose that they've been sealed for and with. And you have a purpose today. Let's go to verse 9. And this was their purpose. And after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. They are worshiping. Listen, all people are precious to God. They're precious to Him. They're celebrating the Lamb. And when we celebrate the Lamb, it brings a, a beautiful aroma to God. And this is what is happening Verse 10, and crying out with a loud voice, Revelation 7.10, that word loud is the Greek, it's mega, 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 loud, Chris, you're loud today. That's all right, I'm biblical. <laughs> Delita, thank you for getting my joke. Yeah, I'm kidding, guys. Like... They're loud. Can you imagine this? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Just shouting this. They're coming out of the tribulation, by the way, and you're going to see this in a second. They're coming out of the tribulation. And do you think they're going to be singing like a lot of us sing? Oh, God, we just praise you today. Hallelujah to your name. Jesus, we worship you. There's songs that we sing like that. It's cool. Some of you don't like your voice. God gave it to you. Go ahead and sing. Now, if you know you don't have a good voice, don't sing so loud that it distracts everybody. But biblically, we've got to sing. We've got to sing to our God to give him what he's worthy for. And I, I, these people were singing with a loud voice. They're like, whoa, who can save us from the wrath of the Lamb? We are out of there. We're in here. This is amazing. Calm down, Chris. No. Context, context, context. It's time to get loud. All right, verse 11. Angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God. They bowed down, and they put their face in the dirt. 
And they were saying blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these that are clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? And I said to them, sir, you know? And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. You might want to highlight that. So what's listed here are those that come out of the great tribulation. These are people who might be you today. If you walk out of here rejecting Christ as your Savior. In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine. I'd like you to turn to 2 Thessalonians 2, please. I was talking to a real close friend of mine who told me this because I was trying to talk to him about Jesus and I got into end times prophecy and stuff and what's going to happen, and he was enamored by it, but he was, this is what he said back to me. Hey, well, if that's true, I'm just, when I see you disappear and get raptured, then I'll believe in Jesus. Anybody ever had somebody say that to you? I guess not. Um, 2 Thessalonians 2.7. This is why that kind of thinking is very, very dangerous. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Right now, it's at work. Lawlessness. Only he who now restrains it will do, to, do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be, be revealed. Who is that? That's the Antichrist. Who's coming, right? Revelation chapter 6. That rider on the white horse. Whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. By the way, that's Revelation 19, where rider on the white horse, coming back with the word of God, he's going to strike his enemies. And he will bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Just by showing up, the enemy is going to come to nothing. The glory of God in Christ's second coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. With all power, false signs and wonders. This is why I spent time on angels, by the way. I believe that's going to ramp up during these last days. And with all wicked deception, do you know there's wicked deception that's going on right now? For those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion. There's going to be a strong delusion and deception in the last days. This is why I'm telling you, you need to be in your Bible. So that they may believe what's false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Let's go back to Revelation seven fifteen. Worship team, if you come up, please. Revelation seven fifteen. It says, therefore, they, those saved out of the tribulation, are before the throne of God, and they serve him, day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. I've got that highlighted in my Bible. What a beautiful picture. I cannot wait to be in heaven. Now, again, these are the tribulation saints. I don't believe that's, that's me, but I think there's some people that don't believe in pre or mid. That might be you, okay? You're going to get your head chopped off. You'll go to heaven because you won't take the mark of the beast. If you take the mark of the beast, you, this ain't going to be you. Anyway, we'll get more into that as we go down through the book of Revelation, okay? Where was I? Thank you. 
We're going to be in the presence of God. They shall hunger no more, thirst no more. Sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from everything that you're struggling with that has bothered you, every disappointment, every pain, every sorrow, every, it's going to be gone. There's going to be pure joy and bliss. It's going to be amazing. It's my prayer that you meditate on 15 through 17, that you spend some time with Jesus and say, oh God, I want this now. I want this now. It's my prayer that as we talked about angels, you would be encouraged that, hey, more are with us than with them. It's my prayer that you would say, man, the word, the word, the word. I, I, I don't want to be deceived by angels. I don't want to be a person that gives into a delusion. I don't want to be a person that just seems, does things that seem right. I don't want to come against Israel. I want the word, the word, the word. I want all my beliefs through the filter of the word of God. It's my prayer that you would be a person that say, okay, God, I've been sealed by your Holy Spirit. I pray for the purity and the passion and the power and the protection and the purpose so that I could walk with you and live for your glory alone. It's my prayer, God, that you would shelter me right now in your presence. I want to be a person not known for wisdom, discernment, greatness. I want to be a person that desires to stay in the presence of God at all times. That I'd be a lover of your presence, God. Because that's where we're going. And we're called to bring heaven to earth. So, Father, I pray that you would just continue to minister to us. I pray that you would just encourage your people. That there is great wrath that is coming upon this earth yet you are in control. And you spilt your blood, Jesus. You spilt your blood and you gave your body to be broken so that your children would not experience the wrath of the Lamb. So God, I pray for those that need to get saved today need to come into the kingdom of God today, that they wouldn't harden their hearts, that they would just come to you, Jesus, because you want to wipe away every tear from their eye. You don't want them to hunger or thirst anymore. You want to fill them, God, with living water so they'll never thirst again. And you want to shepherd them. You want to guide them and lead them, God. God, I pray you would draw people to yourself. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.